Megan O'Rourke is the author of the memoir The Long Goodbye, along with three Mm -hmm. books of poetry, including Sun in Days, which the New York Times named one of the best poetry books of the year. Her essays and poems have appeared in The New Yorker, where she was an editor, The Atlantic, and The New York Times. She has won numerous prizes and, after a year-long search, will be the next editor of the Yale Review starting, well, not July 2019, (laughs) but officially. Yes, officially July, but unofficially now. Okay. Can you tell me what you know about the Yale Review? Probably too much to tell you. What would you like to know about the Yale Review? Bit of its history. Yeah, history would be good. Well, so I'm not the expert yet on its history, although one of my fellow uh, office mates is. Um, but it, it it's had a long history in different forms. It started in 1819, I think, as a journal called The New Englander. And then it went through different names and phases before eventually becoming the Yale Review in 1911, I'm pretty sure. And has had many different editors, many different moments. Susan was just explaining that at one point it was sort of a a serious journal of economics, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, which I hadn't known about it, publishing, you know, pieces on the gold standard. Um, Wilbur Cross was an editor. Kai Erickson was an editor. Sandy McClatchy was an editor. Penelope Lawrence was an editor. Um, and now I'm an editor, luckily enough. And it, it's, it's, so it's taken these very different forms. Under, under Sandy, as it will in many ways under me, it was very much a literary magazine. Um, mm-hmm. At other moments, it's been a little more political. We're hoping to kind of bring politics and sort of engagement with social issues into the fold again in a thoughtful way. I find politics these days more interesting than any fiction I've been reading. Yeah, really, yeah. So I'm making a point of trying to interview uh, the authors of political books. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, so is that is that one of the motivations? Is it just politics is so wild these days? Yeah, I just don't think they're separate, right? I don't think politics and literature are actually separate. I think no. to call something a literary magazine and actually not engage in some sort of serious, especially because... One of the things I've been thinking about a lot as I come on board is like, what does the Yale in the Yale Review mean? Um, and to me, the answer I've grappled to is that, you know, the review aims to be to its field what Yale is to its, which is a sort of rigorous, expansive home of inquiry um, and of thought, bridging disciplines. Um, and that part of our mission should be to sort of be thinking outside and across the box and thinking about the ways that different aspects of our lives and thinking inform others. Um, I don't think this is going to happen right away in the pages, but I'm hoping that over the next five years, we sort of are moving to a model in which it feels like there's lots of different kinds of considerations, not just of novels and poems, but of nonfiction that's engaging with social and political history. And as you say, I mean, the world politics right now are like, if, if, if what was happening in America were happening in a novel, I would feel it was really implausible. So the fact that it's actually happening is fascinating mm-hmm. and important yeah. to, and distressing and important to engage, I think, in, in some thoughtful ways. So, yeah. So I imagine the idea is to have some really good literary writing on yeah. politics or economics or Exactly. Science or whatever it might be. Yeah, no, exactly. And so, for example, we're thinking about sort of this 
in the light of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and the new presidential election ramping up and the Mueller report, we're thinking a lot about sort of questions of culpability and what does that word mean? How do we define it? Who defines it? How do those how do certain people's definitions expand into other people's lives? Um, yeah, words are so important, aren't yeah. they? Collusion versus right. corruption right. versus exactly. conspiracy. <laughs> right, and so trying to ask, you know, kind of novelists and academics who think about questions like this from a variety of fields to kind of jump in and and sort of write um, something for us. So yeah, so thinking in a, in literary terms um, for sure. Also, you know, we have the, the review has a really robust history of publishing criticism. So using that space as a way of, you know, if we were to review the new Clarence Thomas biography and to really think about it, much the way that the New York Review of Books does an amazing job of, you know, those aren't book reviews, those are essays on their subjects mm-hmm. that use the book as a kind of launching off point to have complex arguments and elucidations. And then also our pieces of criticism. It's amazing what they're able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's the relationship like between the review and the press? Or is there one? You know, I don't really know that much about that. Right now there's not much of one, I don't think. I think the press once published the review. Um, But its publisher became Blackwell and then Wiley Blackwell at some point yeah. <laughs> still learning the history sure. yeah but um we're hoping there'll be more of a relationship going forward and so yeah yeah because uh, that leads to the question do you see a magazine as a as a, an entity unto itself or kind of a spawning ground for authors of books I very much see a magazine, well, I I wouldn't make it an or question. I see it as both things, right? So I think a magazine really has to be a space of its own and that the best magazines, the ones that we really want to pick up and read that kind of have storied histories or moments in time are ones that there's something about what they're doing that creates a thing that adds up to more than the sum of its parts. So, you know, the Paris Review in its heyday when it was first founded, like what was it about that journal that kind of made it feel special and everyone had to read it and it was the modern thing it was a thing sort of showing you what was happening in literature well Mm -hmm. partly it was that all these great people were involved with it partly it was that they were rejecting journals that were situated in the academy and they were sort of a harbinger of a moment when American culture was kind of shaking loose of a certain stodginess and set of strictures that criticism almost seemed to embody and they rejected criticism they didn't want it in their pages you know it was it tapped into something of its moment and became a kind of precursor for many things that would happen. Also, of course, connected to the CIA, you know, that's a whole other history. So that was of its moment in a, another complicated way. But do you see, for example, uh, articles that would appear in the review being published by the press, the book? Sure, sure, right. Sure. So in, in that sense, yes. Right. So that's the, why I wouldn't say there's an, or certainly obviously, Magazines are really important in the ecosystem for many reasons, one of which is that they do give writers a space to try out things and sort of test the waters for pieces that then may become books. And both of my nonfiction books grew out of magazine pieces that got a very strong reaction. And then when I was finished with the magazine piece, I was like, hmm, that's, I'm really not done with that subject. But I might not have embarked on the subject as a book-length project if I didn't have an editor working with me, thinking through the ideas, and then that sense of a response from an audience mm-hmm. that really helped me see, like, there's more Com- It gives you confidence to spend the time on it? Yeah, and also it's 
it's more that you realize there's more, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the audience response, I mean, I've had strong audience responses to many things that I haven't pursued, but there's certain times when you're writing a subject that you're still interested in, you see the audience engaging with, you know, kind of enthusiasm and questions, and you think, oh, there's really a lot here that hasn't been dug into. So I think in that sense, you know, magazines and journals are really important for writers. They also, in this age of like, you know, kind of incredible overflow of writing everywhere, they, you know, they're a way of creating publicity for something that can also be really helpful mm-hmm. um, for, for writers. So, yeah, they're certainly part of the ecosystem, deeply connected to each other. What about the physical journal itself? Are you going to look at that and change it? Yeah, we're doing a redesign right now. Maybe you can just give me the sort of... The, of what the redesign is? Yeah, is there... Uh, well, we're just starting, so I don't know what it is. <laughs> we're meeting next week, but we're, yeah, we've hired a firm and we're doing a redesign of the journal and of the website. Um, the journal redesign is coming out of basically a sense that we need... Um, we don't really even have... We have a kind of... Uh, interim website that was created two years ago and before then the journal was really primarily a journal it didn't have a digital digital existence I mean you could go onto the Yellow Review website and download PDFs but it hadn't come to that place where it was thinking about itself in a digital world so part of what we want to do now even though I don't know yet what this will look like is think about what it means to be publishing a journal four times a year in an ever more fast paced digital culture so the pleasures of print as opposed to the hectic nature. I want to slow um, down with the print. Yeah, and really like make it a very luxurious object that, you know, we're that really glad great. to be touching yeah. and sitting in your chair with instead of uh, sitting at your computer feeling your cortisol levels <laughs> rise. <laughs> I mean, to me, the, to me, this, you know, one of the ways I think about the differences is that the digital space is this very much a space of connection and kind of hectic, ongoing, frenetic, which has got many good things about it and certainly mm. a democracy of access or a better democracy of access, right? But the, the print edition is almost like this private experience, you know, you're having a private conversation with the writer, you're reading their words in your head, you're at home. So you're like sitting at your armchair or somewhere nice, or maybe you're on the subway mm. and you're tuning the world out and you're having that private conversation of, you know, a sense of transport and immersion that reading can really bring at its best. And mm. then, you know, the real pleasure of reading is giving yourself over to that. And I don't know that the web, the internet allows for that same kind of giving yourself over to immersion that a print object does. Yeah. So that's the thinking. I, I mean, looking around the office, uh, I've seen many uh, of the uh, back issues going, yeah. going way back. Yeah. And I imagine that over the years, it's sort of there's, there's waves of, or depending who the editor is or who's in charge, more or less attention given to the, the book as, or as object. Yeah. But as a collector, I'm pleased to hear that you're wishing to turn the the journal into an object that could be cherished by the subscriber. Yeah, no, very much so. And which will mean thinking too about like images in it. Right now, it's very text heavy. So, yeah, what just what does it feel like to look at it and touch it and all of those all of those things? It'll be it'll be interesting. I'm I'm hopefully excited that we'll come up with something. I mean. 
the per- Chip Kid, who's a wonderful book designer, did the redesign back in the 90s. I think it was 97. He was the partner of Sandy McClatchy, the previous editor. And he did a really beautiful job. I think it's great. It's just, you know, it's been 20-odd years, and so it's time for... Mm-hmm. It's time for another one. Um, and you couldn't get much better than that, Chip Kidd. No, he's doing great. And so it gives us a wonderful place to build from. And I think in this redesign, we are trying to think about kind of a palimpsest of the history of the review as part of it, too. Yeah. What, what's the name of the, uh, the designer? Pentagram. It's a firm in New York. They did um, Poetry Magazine recently. Yeah. Yeah, am I wrong in thinking they did some work with Faber? They could well have. They do a lot of work. They did MIT Technology Review. Um, they've done a bunch of things at Yale, which is one of the reasons we worked with them. We're working with them. They they uh, know Yale well and are fond of Yale, and they've done some great work here and know the ins and outs of, of the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you collect books? I do. I have slowed down since I have two small children who collect many small toys that have displaced <laughs> many of our books, and now it feels like we live you know, a hoarder's paradise. Um, but yeah, I do, I do. I did for a long time, and now that, yeah. Like what? Mostly poetry, first editions of American poetry. Well, not just American, mostly American. But going poetry. back? Mostly 20th century, and then also novels, and again, 20th century American novels mostly, though I have some things that are otherwise, but yeah. You going for signed first editions, or? I don't really care about the signatures. Oh, you so don't? Much. No. I don't. I don't want to I mean, it's nice to have a signature, but it's so much more expensive that yeah. For me, it's like the pleasure of the book is is the real pleasure. I mean, it's nice to have a signature. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but and my husband is a collector too. So he actually is the real collector. He has just thousands of books that we're in the process of trying to pack up and move, and he doesn't want the movers to touch them. Yeah. So so that's going to be an enterprise. Is to when we told the movers how many books there were, they were like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Like I, I had but books. <laughs> I had about eighty or ninety boxes that I had to. Uh, m- many of them are now in storage, but uh, yeah, which is, is awful. Yeah, no, you know, I know. Like, this is my husband so sad about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, can't we get them all in the house? I was like, I don't think we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, there'll be no room for anyone to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, but no, we we're 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 lovers of books. Um, it's funny, right? Because then they kind of sit on my shelf. But then every now and then I take the first edition sound and I look at them and there's this real thrill of charge. Of like, you know, the, the design, it really is so of its era. So it brings a lot back. Mm-hmm. And with poetry books, you learn so much by reading the book as a book, right? I mean, yeah. your top poetry often is like a poem here, a poem there, a poem here. But, you know, to really, I think to really understand a poet, you have to read their books as a book, mm-hmm. even if they weren't sort of designing the book to have a beginning, middle, and end the way that today a lot of poets do, um, you still learn so much about John Ashbery or Sylvia Plath or Walt Whitman or um, Gwendolyn Brooks. I mean, yeah. yeah. Are there any plans to do anything uh, other than the redesign, like a special annual mm. thing? Yeah, possibly. We're sort of just gearing, I'm just gearing up, so... Sure. Um, we're going to probably have some theme issues, themed issues, and we're hoping to have a prize, and, you know, we'll see from there. Yeah, we'll see. We're just, but definitely thinking about, actually, this might interest you, we're, we're hoping to have a poetry broadside series. Oh, okay. Yeah, again, to sort of think about how do we kind of, even as we expand online, how do we sort of like double down on being a print 
you know, a center for print. And um, there's a huge appetite right now for perhaps because we're all online all the time yeah. for poetry broadsides. And there's so many beautiful printers and printmakers. So we're, we're working, we're about to, I think we'll announce in the fall where there's someone who's going to be editing the series for us. And we'll try to do a monthly or a quarterly broadside. Mm. We have to figure out the right pace. We were like monthly, and then we thought maybe that's a little ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just at the Beinecke, and they were telling the curators, they were telling me that now, m much more so than 20 years ago, there's a real interest in the actual book as object among the students. The, the, you know, the whole room gets yeah. buzzing when, the, when yeah. the, the manuscript gets brought in. Oh, that's so great. Compared to what it was like 20 years ago. Oh, really? So, uh, interesting. Yeah, it is. That's really interesting. It doesn't totally surprise me, right? It's mm -hmm. like, I think there is... The book is, you know, as some many people have said, the book is an amazing technology, right? And it's... There is something about that transport and the privacy, but the connection at the same time. It's very paradoxical, and I think that's part of what makes it so powerful. Mm -hmm. you know? No, plus you can give it as a gift. You can give it as a gift. It's yeah. easy to put in your bag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't weigh as much as your computer. <laughs> you know, um... Yeah, all those things. Yeah. Just uh, I took this off the shelf. I was just trying to read it, but uh, it looks like it's from the uh, president of the university. Yes. So Susan just showed this to me this very morning. It was the first time I've seen it. It's a note saying um, that that publishing the I can't actually fully understand the note. Read the note. The handwriting. The the, the president in 1919 talking about how. Um, publishing review is one of the best things he had done at Yale, which is a really nice, it's nice to have that sort of encouragement to live up to even a century. This is from a hundred years ago. Yes, I know. I was, was so happy to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they saved it for, for me. Susan, Sandy had it. I think they've, this has been the, they pass it down from editor okay. to editor. Okay. <laughs> And well, it looks like you've got the support of the president of Yale. At least the pre previous one. <laughs> yes. So yes, your no, your very much so. your goal is to to get a similar kind of note from the existing president. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just joking. I think they do very much support. They they really want to see the review grow. What's the circulation of it? I don't know exactly actually right now. Okay. It's in the thousands somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you exactly. We're mm. trying to pin that down. You know, it has a reasonable circulation but you know by grow I really mean also sort of figure out what it means for it to exist in 2019 um, as opposed to in 1997 mm -hmm. you know because we're in this digital world like what does it mean for it to engage and to try to well and to grow in the sense of reaching more readers but and young readers so those are all questions that are very much on my mind but to do it in a way that it feels in keeping with the project and in a way that you know keeps us from entering the fray of reactiveness mm -hmm. that we see online but to do it sort of thoughtfully and mindfully yeah good well uh, I'm very pleased to hear that there's such an emphasis on the object I'd like to wish you all the luck Best oh, luck you. Thank you. in the coming years. And, well, thanks uh, so much for coming out, out on my like first day. Of, this is my first day at my desk. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm just seeing this right now. <laughs> right. I've been working from home, but this is my first day in the office at uh, the desk. <laughs> okay. Great. So. Um, A lot of bare walls for you. Yeah, they up. just emptied them up. And, With prizes. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
or broadsides. Yeah, but some good stuff. We'll find some good things, I'm sure. So thank you. Thanks for coming in and talking to me about the review. I'm excited for it. I'll be speaking to uh, Megan O'Rourke, who is a highly regarded poet, memoirist, and now editor of the Yale Review here in New Haven, Connecticut. Thanks again. Oh, thank you.